Welcome to the Art of Roji podcast. I'm your host, Jake Pardee. And today's special guest is Veronica Funk. Veronica is the illustrator of the Roji music comics. She's originally from Rockport, Massachusetts, though now she lives and works in Portland, Oregon. Veronica is a graduate of Savannah College of Art and Design, where she studied sequential art, which I only now just realized means comic book art, because it's art that happens in sequence. Veronica is extremely talented, and I feel very fortunate to work with her and to have her in the studio for today's podcast, where we will learn about her creative process. Welcome to the Art of Roji podcast. We're happy to have you here. Now, enter the Roji universe. Okay, Veronica. We have a podcast, the Art of Roji podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jake. Happy to be here. Yeah. So thank you for all of your effort in making the wonderful comic book, our debut music comic, volume one, Roji, the Government of Silver City. How do you feel about it? How do you feel it came out? I feel pretty good. I'm pretty excited. Glad to get it out there and glad people are got their eyes on it as well. It's been a long time in the making and I think it's... Uh, We did a good job. Yeah. So it was probably about this time last year that we started putting the plans together for laying the foundation of creating the artwork. Mm -hmm. And I'm very glad to have you on the podcast that we can actually, and to have you in person since Mm -hmm. you live on the West Coast now. So we're here in the studio and it's a year later. What do you remember about a year ago, our preliminary conversations about starting this because I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure it was, hey, I want to make a dub comic book. You're a great comic book artist. Can you remember anything from that original conversation? Yeah, yeah. I I don't remember you hit me on Instagram or was it on email? But yeah, I remember you just saying like you picked me as the artist and I was very excited that you liked my artwork. Um, I hadn't worked in comic books in a while, so I thought it was a perfect opportunity to kind of flex that skill and have a lot of um, artistic freedom with it, which you don't always get. So I really appreciated that. Right. Oh, I'm so glad. And yeah, your comic book style was so apparent through looking at your Instagram and seeing your history of, of what you've done. For your history of what you've done on your Instagram, what do you think motivated a lot of those past projects? Was some of it fan art? I think there was a couple of things that were a fan art type of thing and then some original type of projects too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I did I did do a lot of fan art. Uh, I was, I've been a huge fan of anime ever since I was a teenager. I've kind of backed off now because there's other hobbies and things I like to do, but that was my huge inspiration, anime and manga in Japan. Um, But I also went to school to do comic books, sequential art, and um, that kind of got me thinking about my own stories and how I want to like make my own comics. I'd say the stuff I'm proud of I did in school were based off of life experiences I had. So I did one where um, I made a few pages based off my trip to Japan. Um, I used a lot of photos from my trip to Hong Kong and another comic I did about my own personal characters that I had. Um, So yeah, they kind of 
force you to think outside the box when you're in school and veer they kind of tell you to veer away from the anime manga scene but to find your own style so to go away from the scene meaning to not do something that's derivative of something that already exists yeah yeah i would say kind of like think on your own style and not always like copy what you already know try and like take bits and pieces from things you like and get inspiration and build upon that well it sounds like that was a pretty good program oh yeah it was very good was, I, it, was yeah. it fun oh yeah very good i uh, i want to shout out my late professor tom lyle he worked on like some spider-man comics he did like OG superhero comics and I had many classes with him. He was like always pushing us out of our comfort zone. And uh, yeah, he was a professor I want to forget. He sadly passed away a few years ago, mm. but um, yeah, he was great professor. Definitely. Great. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing. I'm mm -hmm. so glad you had that type of in-depth experience too. And this is all, you know, sort of similar to my experience at Berkeley too being able mm -hmm. to have gone and studied with people that I really looked up to in the industry and to have a positive experience. And some mm -hmm. people in these formal education experiences, you know, they, uh, they're sort of painted into a corner or told to only study the masters. So it's pretty interesting that both you and I had, it seems like a similar experience where you were encouraged to study the techniques but to try to find your own style. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about creating your own style? Does mm. it come over time? Yeah, I would say it definitely comes over time and maybe trying a bunch of different styles and just kind of working out the kinks as you go along, really. Um, a lot of it's also referencing artists you look up to as well and maybe like taking techniques from them, like maybe I like how they did the line art here, or I like they, how they did the shading, and you try and replicate that yourself and weave it into your work. I'm sure it's similar with music, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Who are some of the artists that you looked up to the most? Oh, that's a good question. This question is a classic in oh, the it's a interview one. world of um, any sort of kind of thing in music yeah too. yeah yeah um i know like mobius was a artist we studied a lot i think he's a french artist i don't know if you've seen his art it's mm -hmm. like it might be good reference for like the future editions we make he does a lot of um space oh cool style yes and of course the audience doesn't know that we're going <laughs> to space at all yes exactly so maybe we'll see some of that in the future yeah i'm excited mm -hmm, for that mm -hmm. so um you touched on the manga versus American comic mm. style too, and anime. Right, right. So, as a fan of anime and manga, um, do you think that in your education or in your journey creating your own style, that you were looking to study or mimic or develop the style of an American versus? Uh, Japanese style? Mm -hmm. Did you deliberately say, I want to go in more of a manga direction? Or does it include both? Do you say, I'm going to try to make something that looks distinctively like one or the other, and then my own style becomes a combination? Or I guess we could uh, talk a little bit about what do you think the differences are between the two and how they've influenced mm. you? Yeah, I think... I'd say there's a difference, big difference between like... I guess if we're talking like American traditional comics... Mm -hmm versus manga right 
uh, American traditional, I'd say, is more realistic, a little more grounded, um, maybe like darker, mm. blocked in shading. And manga, is, I feel, is more like whimsical and mm. like anything's possible. And like, yeah, I think I would say that's the difference between it. But for me, or what I've seen in more modern comics, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this website called Webtoon. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty popular indie comic website where sometimes artists start on there and then they get big and like that's how they promote their own comic. Right. Um, but it's a very, it becomes more stylistic and um, oh, it's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> um, maybe more illustrative, mm. I'd say. A little more, less about the technique and if something looks right, more about how it visually comes across. And how so, it relates to the story, I suppose. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'd say I was going for a style that's between American and manga. Yeah, I think that that comes across. Right, yeah. It's so distinctly comic book, mm -hmm. which is what I think is really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I'd say I took like the traditional things I learned, some illustration aspect and some more modern techniques and like mushed it all together to make something that I felt worked for me. Because I see more traditional American comics. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like really complicated. And mm. like, uh, you know, I could spend all day on this one frame and make it look perfect. But sometimes it's like you got to you got to push through it. You know, if it looks right, you know, you don't have to mull over it all day. You just want to, you know, yeah, flow right. I think that there's a analogous part of the music, too, that's like that for me. And mm -hmm. I'm really interested in, in groove music and dub music. And a lot of that has to do with taking things down to their essential parts. Mm -hmm. And there's something really beautiful about your style where it isn't, overly decorated it's mm -hmm. very beautiful and there's a lot of detail but it doesn't seem to have unnecessary elements there's movement and there's there's an essence to the scene that is very clear but a lot of your your lines they they have almost a um, emotion in them without having to be super precise mm -hmm. you know i'm thinking about like um like palm trees or even how like the birds are are laid in there. Mm -hmm. And it's very cool how you've created this style that you have the story and the essence and your imagination can run a bit because yeah. you have the the scene there, but your brain can kind of lend more detail to it itself by mm -hmm. envisioning the story. And I thought that that worked extremely well with what we're trying to do, which is to give someone something that is really like the the jumping off point for their imagination. We have a song that might be three minutes long and you've got a single page of artwork and it's almost like looking at a painting where you get the time to be able to actually go into it and check it out. So mm -hmm. I think that's really awesome with the way that you've developed that. In your journey of creating the, the look of the first music comic here, there was a lot of different draft ideas. So I think it would be really great to understand a little bit more about how something 
goes through the process. Mm-hmm. I think myself and and listeners would be really curious to know about how that's different from any other style because I've learned a bit about the comic book process over the last couple of years and it's fascinating to know that each person's role in the at least the American traditional was very clearly defined, you know, between mm-hmm. pencils, the ink, yep, colors and the text and putting in all of those separately and are often totally different departments. Mm-hmm. So since you're handling the whole thing, <laughs> yeah. could you tell us a bit about how that process works for you? Because I know that you still work in that uh, methodology of doing things through the process. So yep. do you start with pencils? Yeah, yeah. So. I wanted to, for this comic, I wanted to make sure I went through like all the steps of my training that I went through just to like go through the motions. Um, But yeah, first stage I'd say is like the research stage. So I went to my local library. I got a bunch of comics, um, some that you suggested. I think one was East of West and Saga. And I tried to look for like any Western style comic I could find. I just thought it was easier than like pulling it up on my computer screen. Like I'd rather have something like I can look at and hold and mess around with. So I started with that and then I, you know, wanted to draw the character first. Like how do we get down this character and make him distinct? Like what what makes him unique, I think. Like the the poncho uh, pattern was important and having like the gunsling and having his harmonica and like what style hat should we have um and also the gun i think oh, i forget it was like a colt colt something gun i mm-hmm. wanted that specific one um so drawing out the character and then you know i sent those off to you like how's this guy looking and, and i was like this is amazing <laughs> you're like this is great <laughs> obviously like, this is amazing <laughs> yeah I'm like cool let's go uh, and then next was the thumbnailing stage, which I would go maybe like to the beach or on my flight to back home or whatever. I would on like a small little notebook, I, I would draw out a couple of layouts. So you want to lay out the panels of the, and you want to see the flow of the page. So I would do maybe like three or four iterations of it. And, you know, I'd look at them and be like, all right, I like this one. And then I would that would be my composition And then next stage is, um, I would just refine it a bit more. Um, We call it the the tight roughs page. Uh, So I will, I like scan it in and I like blow it up on a bigger piece of paper. Actually, I did this part digitally. I put it onto my iPad so I could kind of use it on the go, like at a cafe or something. Mm -hmm. And then that would be more detail try to get things where I want them to be, make sure I get the perspective right with the buildings and the backgrounds. And I believe I also, you know, sent those off to you, like how are these pages looking? Get the approval. Uh, And then once those were approved, I printed them out on 11 by 17 paper at the library. And then I bring it back to my house. I have a, a light box, which is a thin light screen that I put the printer paper on and then I put my nice Bristol paper on top of it and then I use the light box to trace over the pencils. Um, I'll use a blue pencil that's not supposed to show up when you scan it um, after you ink it. Um, So I would use that 
And then I went over with inking, which is a uh, pen and nib. I didn't use like a micron or yeah, I didn't use a micron pen or anything. I just was like, I want to do straight traditional dip in the ink well Amazing. and doing that because um, just wanted the full experience. Wow. That is yes. so cool. So yes. <laughs> um, how did you not mess it up and, and have to start over again? I was like, yeah, you're not going to mess up. No, I just, I just didn't. I, you're supposed to like, when you dip it in, you're supposed to tap the, do like a first, um, I don't know, draw on a piece of paper. So like the ink doesn't splatter it everywhere. Does that, yeah. yeah. You want to like test it first before you like put it on the paper. Uh, but it was very careful, uh, very precise. I did not want to mess up. But if I did, so easy to just scan it in and, um, to erase it in photoshop or okay. something <laughs> or uh with a i have like a uh, a white pen white out pen mm -hmm. that i could just go over it so wow. wasn't too worried that is so cool so the pencils yep were, was that originally on 11 by 17 also was the size the same as it went through the process yeah i think i did um the the roughs at a smaller scale, uh, mm -hmm. scale, a reduced scale, and then I blew it up to 11 by 17. Do you blow it up in order to then have the quality of the final comic book be high resolution? Yeah, I would say so. And just traditionally, it's done on that size paper. Okay. But yeah, for scaling, the quality would be better. Right. But I mean, like people make comics in so many different ways these days. I could have done it all on my iPad at a smaller scale, and because it's digital, you could blow it you up blow for it sure. Up the other way. Um, but for me, it was just like a practice of skill that I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> so now you've got the the inked version, which still yep. looks like your pencils, mm -hmm. and in terms of it's just now the inked version of your pencils, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now you scan that in. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now you scan that in and you start to do the colors digitally? Yeah, yeah, I did do the colors digitally um, using Procreate on my iPad. So something like the poncho that has a lot oh, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, Quinn and I were talking about poncho and how cool it is that your pattern is consistent throughout the, mm -hmm. the pages. Yep. So although, that, although there's motion in the poncho, mm -hmm. the pattern has this familiarity that goes from one page to the next, which yep. is really cool. Yep, it's almost yep. like a static poncho exactly. amidst its clear motion, which is very cool. Right. I was unsure. I was like, oh, do I have to like individually draw the pattern and make it like curve around the shape of the poncho? And I was like referencing other patterns in comics. Right. And most of the time they kind of do just like put the pattern on top yeah. and, and it works no it totally and works i think i like it i was like totally oh works. thank god i don't have to draw this exactly. over and over <laughs> well because i mean the colors in order to and the little i know about graphic design <laughs> what we think of as oh that color is curving around something actually means that it's turning into all these other shades of mm -hmm. that color yeah to have shadow and everything it becomes crazy yep. so you can see how that uh, would be this like ridiculous task, but it ends up having this awesome effect, I think, because mm -hmm. it keeps it still in the, the world of imagination. And what we're trying to do is to get your brain, like we said a few minutes ago, to complete the picture for some of these things. So you've got the colors and you, 
you're sitting there on the iPad. How does the palette come together? Because the other thing, I probably should should say to the audience that so much of this has come about naturally. And I'm sure that you did a ton of work, but there wasn't a single thing that you have ever sent me that I wasn't like, oh yeah, that's it. I don't think there were revisions besides a couple of like specific things that we needed to do like practicality wise of layout. There wasn't anything you ever sent me that I wasn't like, oh, that's 100% the one. Mm -hmm. And it's with the colors too. And for me, the palette has been great because now I feel like, oh, this is, I'm using the palette in other parts of my life, which sounds insane, but it's true. Like Aiden, the maritime intern and I, we went out and bought orange and purple lights to have in our videos because we're like, this is great to have something consistent. So how does the color palette come about too? Is it uh, decided on in advance and you, you keep it limited or how does it work? How do you choose a color palette for something like this? Yeah, I mean, since it's kind of already in an existing space somewhat, I really just was referencing a lot of like Arizona desert right. imagery. Um, and a lot of it's also just like visually what colors go together. You know, I thought maybe the green on the poncho would stand out against the super orangey red desert and um, a sky color too, like how bright or soft you want it. And, you know, as, as he travels through the land, you know, the color palette's going to change a little bit from where he ends up. So when he gets to the island of paradise, that's obviously going to be way more bright and green and lush and, um, I'd, I'd say mainly went for a natural palette for this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And his poncho looks equally good in both yeah. places, which is yeah, nice. <laughs> it does. It looks pretty nice. Yeah. Well, that's extremely cool. So you do the colors with the digital version of your inked part of the, and again, I don't think I really understand what that <laughs> means, but, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, you then have the colorized version, are you still working on entire pages at a time or are these individual panels at a time? Um, I'm doing page, page at a time, I'd say. Just take a one page at a time. Hmm. Mm -hmm. For me, now I'm kind of curious about the color thing. How do you, <laughs> how do you get the colors to go between the lines? Do you, oh. or is it like with layers? Like how do you? Yep, 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 yep. So because it's literally just black and white, uh, I believe I set that layer to multiply and then, uh, or I don't even have to do that. I just, I just put a, yeah, I'm pretty sure I set it to multiply and then I put it a layer underneath it and then I just color under right. the inks pretty much. So how is that different from how it would have been done in the past? Hmm. Oh my God. Well, yeah, you would have to do it with like markers. Right. That's what yeah. I'm trying to figure out. So would the colorist in the past take the inked version and then color between the lines or were there layers in it? Yeah, in no, I'm pretty, yeah, definitely. They uh, specifically uh, use Copic markers, which are mm. an alcohol based marker. Um, they like blend very nicely together. Um, yeah, I would say a lot of traditional manga artists use that, say for like book covers. Um, it's definitely a tough skill. It's a uh, it's I not easy. Imagine. <laughs> yeah. And it's also one of these things where like in music, 
there's so much responsibility further down the line of the process to keep what was done in the first place intact. Mm-hmm. Like in the old days, now we have copies of music that's digital and we do a backup and everything. And most of the time, fingers crossed, we can go back to an earlier version of something. But when you're working on analog old school tape machines and you have a reel of tape, it's all edits are destructive. So if you were to slice the tape at a certain place and tape it to someplace else and whatever else, that tape is the copy. Unless you've made a copy of it to another tape, you're you're dealing with that actual thing. And likewise, if you were to be coloring in the past somebody's inked version of something and then <laughs> you screw it up. Yeah. Unless, do you think that they would have photocopied it and you can do it again? Or? I'd like to think they do that. Right. But I don't know. Maybe they're just so good they don't mess up. Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> or they just, to... yeah. In the in the past, you couldn't fix it digitally, but. Right. Um, or you just work with your mistakes, make happy mistakes. Right. Yeah. You know? What type of um, rejection versions of things do you have that I've never seen before? Are there oh, like gosh. versions of the gunman where he's wearing like a pirate hat? Are there like. Uh, funny iterations of the poncho mm. that came out silly how does that work because i think i've only ever seen everything that oh yeah that yeah you've committed to no i think i'm very much a perfectionist so <laughs> i kind of go with my first not my first thought but like i'm like this is it i know what i want and i pretty much know what it's going to turn out to be. Uh, there weren't too many iterations. I think maybe like for the hat or like how his hair was going to look was different. Um, I did look at a lot of a lot of poncho designs on the internet as well. Right. Um, but I, I think the one I settled on fits the story the best. Um, yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to explore more of the character building going forward. Yeah. I think that that's... Another interesting thing to discuss a bit about. So one of the other influences of the music, of course, is the Western movie soundtracks. So are you a fan of like uh, the old school Western movies, spaghetti Western movies or anything like that? Yeah, I again, my late professor, he was super into like Western films. And I think we might have watched a few during class. Uh, but honestly, I did not I did not really grow up with those types of films. Um, but you now as we continue the story, doing that's definitely part of the research, like watching these older films. Um, uh, yeah, Clint, Clint Eastwood was a famous, played a famous cowboy, I think. <laughs> yeah, the man with no name right, is, right. is very clearly directly referenced there with go. the poncho yeah. and the fact that our character has exactly. no name. Exactly, yeah. So I was like... He's a good reference. And like the Dark Tower artwork also is like, isn't that with Edris Elba, I think? Yeah, that was um, similar visuals on there too. So why were you watching Western movies in class? I really, okay, let me let me try and remember, try and pull these memories out of my brain. Uh, I think it maybe had to do with the way the panels are framed. We were talking about how Okay, see the horses riding across the screen. Which way are they going? From left to right. That's visually how it works. Like it guides your eye across the screen because they're they're that's where they're going. Uh, I think it had to do with 
I had a lot to do with the film too, like how shots are filmed and how it makes sense. So that's pretty sure why we were watching them. Sure, the framing in those movies, they're amazing. Mm -hmm. And many of them are in black and white, many of the old Westerns, and they've made hundreds. Westerns was one of the largest genres of, of movie making in the 20th century. But a lot of the ones that have color, they're incredible. The landscapes of them are so massive. And I think that the other thing about your color palette that you chose that, that works really great in the style is the fact that the old Technicolor is very cool the way that they were like, we have color now. So it felt like the saturation was like cranked compared to what we're used to now, which is more of it looking like what we see naturally. Do you see like a, a sunset scene when they're riding a horse in the past and one of these old movies and they're gorgeous and they're they're massive and the colors are, are so great so i do think that it makes sense that there's a big influence of that style of filmmaking in the comic world they're also they're just such interesting you know stories and 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 heroes journeys mm -hmm. because the characters are so flawed Mm -hmm. And I think that's another reason why I was interested in, in us building this character. So we're about to start on the second issue of The Government of Silver City. What are you looking forward to related to the next one? I'm looking forward just to putting a little more time into it and thought into it and just, you know, keep going on that research. And um, I'm excited to, you know, I don't know, develop something unique and just keep world building. World building is fun. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for that as well. Yeah. And if people were to follow you on Instagram and all oh, of yeah. that uh, and learn more about your art, where can they find you? Uh, yes, I am Funk Illu on Instagram, F-U-N-K-I-L-L-U. You can find my artwork on there. Um, also on funkillu.com. That's where you'll find me. And one last thing I want to ask about. Do you think that we should make one of them read backwards like manga? Oh, man. That would really mess people up. That might mess people up, but... Maybe the music could be played backwards, too. Whoa. That'd be pretty unique. All right. I guess we'll keep it in the uh, left to right direction for now. But thank you so much for your time and for all of your patience while we figured out the music and the story. And thank you for uh, all of the love and attention you put into this project and for bringing your own style to this because it's, it's so great. It means a lot to me to be able to hold this comic in my hand and to be able to see that you had put so much of your own style and inspiration into it. So it was great to do this in a collaborative way. And I'm very excited about the next issue, which will be out some specific time in the future that we will announce and the journey will continue. So thank you so much for your time and for being here and for all of the love and devotion you put into your craft. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be part of something that's not just me, it's just a whole group of us and it's something that's really awesome. So Great. Well, we'll get you back on the podcast for the next one. For sure. I'll all right. Thank you, Veronica. We'll see you later. Bye. Thank you for your visit to the Roji Universe. We look forward to seeing you again soon.